Hello, and welcome to this month's Albany Records Podcast. I am your host, Michael Bregman. Today we introduce you to a very unique sound. That, of course, was the famous spiritual Amazing Grace as arranged by Hal Smith, sung by the countertenor Darrell Taylor, today's guest, accompanied by Brent McMunn on piano. From an Albany disc released a couple of months ago entitled How Sweet the Sound, A Charm of Spirituals. Before we hear Mr. Taylor talk about his musical life and experience, for those unfamiliar with the term, the countertenor voice is a very high-pitched male singing voice, actually very close to the female contralto, mezzo-soprano, or even soprano roles. This term was first used in the 17th century in Great Britain, and this style of singing for male singers became extremely popular for Baroque opera. 
but during the 19th century this kind of singing went out of style. But in the past 50 years or so, with the great resurgence in popularity of Baroque opera, the countertenor role has made a comeback. For many years, Darrell Taylor spent his career as a tenor, touring throughout the United States and Europe, and making several recordings, including for Albany Records. For Mr. Taylor, 2006 was a very important year because that's when he made the transition from tenor to countertenor. Darrell Taylor talks about his career and his unique singing voice. Uh, as I said, born in Chicago and uh, raised in Detroit. And uh, the great thing about being raised in a uh, city like Detroit, Detroit was for many years, and it still may well be, was the uh, gospel capital of the world. And so you had uh, all the great singers of, of gospel uh, converged at some point or other in Detroit. And so I had a lot of uh, interaction with, with those people, Donald Bales and uh, James Cleveland and Thomas Whitfield and others that, that sang in that style. Um, I moved to California and uh, uh, went to the University of Southern California where I worked with uh, Dr. Michael Sells, who's a great written scholar. And it was actually there that uh, I had the first kind of inclination that what I was doing in my head voice was actually a, a quite legitimate sound. It was something I always did as, as kind of a, a trick or um, just kind of uh, playing with, with, with my voice. And my, my teacher, when he first heard it, he said, well, gosh, that's, that's, that's a real legit sound. And, and he wanted to explore its application with my light tenor uh, singing. And so you'll hear a lot of that, actually, in, in my tenor recordings on Albany. And... Um, <laughs> so much so that one one teacher, uh, David Gordon, um, once said that he, when he hears my old recordings, he said he could hear a countertenor trying to come out. <laughs> and so, um, I when I finished my my work at the University of Southern California, I went to um, back to Michigan. And I studied at the University of Michigan for my graduate work with uh, under the tutelage of George Shirley, the great Metropolitan Opera tenor, and. Um, it was an interesting story that um, studying with George Shirley at the same time was uh, none other than David Daniels, both of us studying as tenors. And uh, about the same time as David's uh, head voice was being acknowledged as, as having career potential, um, that acknowledgement coming from George Shirley, he also said to me, well, Daryl, I hear, I, I think that you're a counter-tenor. And I first really kind of rejected the, the whole notion of being a countertenor. I loved my tenor voice, and, and I loved the repertoire that I was singing as a tenor, and to be quite honest, I didn't quite understand what all being a countertenor was all about, and so um, I, I won't say that I rejected it, but I put it on a, a back shelf, and it was always something that says, well, you know you could do this, and I would always say, yeah, 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 well, if I do this and if I do that, then, then maybe I'll, I'll, I'll get to be countertenor. And um, eventually, um, it was very interesting. I had gone back to the University of Michigan to, be, uh, to do a, a master class for them. And as part of my master class, uh, and I was also performing, 
as part of my master class, I was modeling for a Mrs. Crano, uh, the channel that I thought that she should make, and uh, George Sturz was in, in the audience again, and afterwards he said, but you're enough. have you given any more thought to what I said about counter-tenor? And I said, well, um, actually I had given it some thought, and uh, let, let me just sing through some repertoire and see uh, how this fits with me. And it was very interesting that in my private sessions, just sitting down with repertoire, that uh, the singing was very easy and very um, uh, legitimate, uh, and uh, and I was overcome with this sense of euphoria, this sense of, oh yes, it was my real aha moment, you know, and um, and everything in the universe seemed to be re rejoicing and saying, finally, yes, this is what you're supposed to be doing, and so I committed uh, in November of. 2006 to uh, singing countertenor. I transitioned out of my tenor repertoire. I had a, a lot of long-standing engagements that I had to um, uh, either get out of or complete and then uh, move on into my, my countertenor stuff, and I haven't looked back since. We now return to the recent Albany disc, How Sweet the Sound, A Charm of Spirituals, which incidentally is on Albany 1244. We will hear, Sometimes I Feel Like a Motherless Child, and Nobody Knows the Trouble I See. Countertenor Daryl Taylor, accompanied by Brent McMunn.
Those were two more famous spirituals, Sometimes I Feel Like a Motherless Child, and Nobody Knows the Trouble I See, sung by Daryl Taylor, countertenor, with Brent McMunn on piano. From Albany, disc number 1244, How Sweet the Sound, A Charm of Spirituals. For some listeners, this kind of sound coming from a male singer may seem very unusual, very odd, as a matter of fact. And Mr. Taylor talks about this. 
Well, you know, the, the fortunate thing for me is, uh, as I said, coming from gospel background, in, in gospel singing and in the black music tradition, the use of, of head voice is not at all foreign. And so, and, and it's not, it doesn't assign itself to uh, these issues of sexuality that I think become a little sticky when, when you deal with it in classical music. Um, there's, a, there's a very rich tradition of, of men in their head voice, in, not only with castrati and, and, and with countertenors in classical music, but uh, with Marvin Gaye, with Smokey Robinson, with Eddie Kendricks. And these are people that I grew up listening to, and um, they, they're very virile, macho men, and so it was never a, an, an issue for me. But you're absolutely right that that there have been times when I've, I sang B minor mass for um, for an, an organization here in California, and uh, one of the choristers in, in her congratulations to me after the performance came up and said, "Now I told my whole family to come, and I told them that now don't laugh when you hear him." I said, "Well, honey, why would they laugh?" <laughs> But I mean, I understood, of course, where, where she was coming from. But the only only reason they should laugh is if, is if I missed my entrance or, or, or uh, a, a, another sort of, of response that I had recently. Actually, I sang for, for Peter Schreier, the great uh, tenor um, and conductor, and uh, I sang at a bottom edition for him. And uh, and afterwards, I looked at him to you know. Actually, I was looking to see if he wanted to hear something more, and he was just kind of stood there, and his mouth was open, and he just said, unglaublich, unglaublich, which means in, in German, unbelievable. <laughs> so, if from someone as, as worldly as Peter Schreier, you can expect that sort of, of, of response, I don't take it necessarily personally that, that there's something wrong with my singing, but just that they're just not accustomed to... Um, so well seated uh, um, a presentation of, of singing from from all countertenors. There are there are many countertenors that, that sing like I sing, but not all do. Best known for his opera Blake, his art songs and choral writing, Harrison Leslie Adams has made significant contributions to the genres of vocal and instrumental music. Currently a full-time composer living in Cleveland, Ohio. Adams's music has earned him nationwide attention. Born in 1932 in Cleveland, his early training included piano lessons and private voice. He attended the Oberlin College Conservatory of Music in 1955, where he studied voice, piano, conducting, and composition with Herbert Elwell and Joseph Wood. Here, Darrell Taylor talks about his working relationship with H. Leslie Adams, which will be followed by three selections for voice and piano by the composer. A lovely, lovely person to speak with. He was one of the first persons that I spoke with when I was um, doing my my research on African-American composers. I, I had a lot of moxie as a young singer and as a young uh, researcher and had no compunction with uh, calling a composer in their home. If I, if, I, if I got their number, I would call them. <laughs> George Walker was one of them that I did, that I did call. And um, H. Leslie Adams was another that I called at his home and um, um, was uh, gratified that I was in Cleveland and or I think I was going to Cleveland for an audition and I knew who H. Leslie Adams was and I wanted to meet him. 
and um, I thought that it would be over coffee or something like that. He invited me to his home. He played a, a bunch of his scores for me, shared his insight and his philosophy about composition and, and about spirituality, and, and, and gave me a stack of music. It was really huge, the stack of music that he gave me. And he said, no, you have my permission to, to perform this anywhere and to make as many copies as you need. I just would like for you to perform it. And that's exactly what I did. I, I don't think he knew uh, <laughs> the seriousness of, 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 of my purpose, my purposefulness uh, in, in communicating with him because, of course, I went on and, and recorded his music and went on to, to perform his music um, in, in countless concerts all over the world. And it's, it's always received very, very widely.
from an Albany disc released in 2000 entitled Love Rejoices, Songs of H. Leslie Adams, we heard Darrell Taylor in his tenor voice singing Night Song, Creole Girl, and Day Birth, accompanied by Robin Guy Piano, Albany Records number 428. Composer Richard Thompson is currently assistant professor of music at San Diego State University where he teaches jazz performance and history. Mr. Thompson wrote Dream Variations specifically for Darrell Taylor, who gave the premiere performance at the University of California at Irvine in 2005. These are songs based on the poetry of Langston Hughes. From this cycle we hear the first song, I Too Sing America, accompanied by the composer Richard Thompson. That was I Too Sing America, the first song from the cycle Dream Variations from 2005 by Richard Thompson. We heard Darrell Taylor 
tenor, with a composer performing on piano. This is from Albany Records 830, devoted to the music of Richard Thompson. Whether it is as a composer, concert pianist, or actor, Robert Owens, born in 1925, has earned a career and respect that many would envy. He has written extensively for solo voice, with a particular emphasis on texts by great writers such as Langston Hughes. On Albany number 897, Fields of Wonder, Songs and Spirituals of Robert Owens, we hear the song In Time of Silver Rain from the cycle Fields of Wonder. Darrell Taylor, tenor, with the Fields of Wonder String Orchestra, conducted by Stephen Tucker. We heard Darrell Taylor, tenor, singing In Time of Silver Rain from the cycle Fields of Wonder, based on the poetry of Langston Hughes, music by Robert Owens. From Albany, number 897. Um, what I hope the listener takes away, a few things. One, that 
there's a new commentator on the scene with, with a legitimate approach that, that I hope that they'll, they'll want to hear more from. Two, that the spiritual, um, while it isn't a folk song genre, it lands squarely in, still in, in Western classical music and is part of it, and has been for over 100 years now, part of um, the art song genre being uh, uh, voice and piano derived. And that what we, what we have done in the spiritual is uh, we have to walk a delicate line because we don't want, we don't want to deprive the spiritual of its, of its roots and of its origins but we also want to allow it to flourish and allow it to grow the way that the way that I hope that we've demonstrated that it has done. What we've done is is put some traditional um, arrangements next to some rather contemporary arrangements and um, and and allowing them to coalesce and, and and to feed upon one another. There's a few uh, things that have never been recorded and some that have been recorded many many times and uh, I. It's a spiritual journey for me, and it's a spiritual journey for, for my pianist, Brent McMahon, and I hope that the, uh, the listener will, will enjoy it as such. I would like to thank Daryl Taylor for his cooperation in making this episode possible, and for all of the wonderful recordings he has been making for Albany Records for more than 10 years. And let's close the program with one more selection from the new release, How Sweet the Sound, A Charm of Spirituals. Albany Records 1244. This is an arrangement by Margaret Bonds of Go Tell It on the Mountain. Thank you for listening. This has been your host, Michael Bregman. Tune in next month for the next Albany Records podcast. Shit!